Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. First of all, I want to thank Deb for bringing this to us. This was her idea and such an important thing to talk about, to think about, uh, not just for our youth, but for all of us. Um, When we come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that all of our hurts are instantly gone, all of our past injuries disappear. So it's important to talk about it, to get the help. Uh, it's such a good thing for not just our youth, but for all of us to, uh, to talk about. We have been studying the book of Nehemiah. And, and as we're looking at the story of Nehemiah, we're, we're looking, we're, we're gleaning little tidbits, lessons that we can use to, to learn how to move forward through the times of change and transition that we're in. The last time we looked at it together, we engaged with chapter 3, which really captures the how of how do we move forward in in fulfilling this massive restoration. We looked at how the people of Israel began this work of rebuilding. It was a massive task. Up until that point, it had only been the planning and the preparing, but we saw how they began to do it. And at the heart of, of how they did it was this lesson of that, that we're all in this together, that we all need each other. And if there was one kind of major takeaway from, from that story, it was this, this phrase that I used a couple of different times, that not, none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. And that's an important lesson for us to carry forward together as we think about what it looks like to move forward, to build ahead, uh, to acknowledge the past, to acknowledge what's been lost, to be honest, that we've lost some things, to grieve those things, to mourn, but also to be able to prepare to move forward and, and to uh, allow God to restore some things that have been lost. And really, that's, that's the heart of the gospel message right there, that things that are lost can be restored. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what Jesus was talking about when he told the parable of the... Of the uh, um, the prodigal son and the woman who had lost that coin, that God is in the business of taking things that are lost and restoring them. But also God has new things that he's leading us towards. As we continue the story, we look today at Nehemiah chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that chapter. We'll be looking at various sections of it. And the lesson that we learn, and we saw this begin to be set up in the last time in chapter 3, is that as we begin to move forward, as we move from, from planning into actually doing, taking those first steps towards what is new, that we can expect opposition. And even in chapter 3, we began to see some of that opposition come. Chapter 4, it really ramps up. So the first thing that we see is, is the beginning of this, this opposition. Nehemiah chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. It 
Sanballat, who was very, was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall, he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can rebuild the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? So we were introduced to these people in uh, chapter 2. Sanballat and Tobiah and some others that were there. And when they first heard that, that Nehemiah was allowed to go back to, uh, to Judah, to Jerusalem, to begin this rebuilding process, we saw them at that point that they were unhappy. They were governors of some of the surrounding nations. And they were probably, as nations, they were probably pretty happy, pretty content when they saw Israel fall. Because as long as Israel existed, God was prospering it so much, it was a strong and a powerful nation, it posed a threat to them as neighboring nations. So I'm sure they didn't shed too many tears when, when Israel uh, fell, when God allowed them to be taken into captivity, and when Israel and Jerusalem was destroyed. Now, when the Persian Empire, who was the, the main superpower in this area, began to allow the Jewish people to go back to Judah, to Jerusalem, to begin to rebuild with the understanding, of course, that this, this new nation of Israel would be still loyal to Persia, would still be under the authority of Persia, and would pay taxes to Persia, these neighboring nations, I think, began to feel threatened again. Of course, behind all of these, these human, earthly, uh, political dynamics, there was something deeper involved as well. I mean, in the spiritual realm, Jerusalem, the city of God, was, was the presence of God, represented the presence of God, and, and the work that God was doing in raising up His people Israel really represented the rule of God. And so while in a, in a human political sense there was, there was threats and they were opposed to it in that way, there was a deeper level at which the enemy was also at work. As God began to rebuild His kingdom, as God began to rebuild His people, <clears throat> there was an enemy who wasn't a human enemy, who wasn't a, a physical enemy, but was a spiritual enemy who was beginning to, to bring opposition as well. Here in Nehemiah, the opposition against the people is, is very focused. It's focused on this decision to, to begin rebuilding the wall. And while our focus will be different as we think about rebuilding, moving forward, the lesson really is the same. Is that when we seek to build the work of God, there will be a reaction to it. As we begin to do that rebuilding, there will be opposition that comes. If we see life simply as doing the work of God in a, in a neutral kind of world, we're not going to be ready for the attacks that come. We need to understand that there will be opposition, that there is spiritual opposition that comes when we try and, and reclaim territory for God, as we try and do things for God, as we try and reach people with the good news of Jesus and bring them freedom, bring them healing, bring them relationship with God. As we move into Satan's territory and do that, there will be opposition. The enemy will not sit back quietly and just wait and let us do it. As we move forward, as we begin to rebuild, there will be opposition. We may not always know what the source of that is. Sometimes it will just be people. 
Sometimes, and again, we have to be preparing ourselves for this as well, sometimes we will, it will be people from within our midst. We noticed this last time as well, that when Nehemiah was going through, when he was organizing the people, as they began to, to take different sections of the wall and rebuild the, the wall all at once, all in a circle, he assigned different people and different groups to different things. But we saw in that section as well that there were some of his own nobles that refused to help. And so sometimes as we move forward, let's just be honest and, and put this out there, that, that not all of us will be ready. Not all of us will be on the same place. Maybe some are slow to accept change. Maybe some of us are, are just comfortable where we are. Maybe some of us are afraid of the unknown, the future. Whatever the case is, we need to realize that we might experience some opposition internally. And so we'll need to be patient with each other, be gracious with each other as we do that. Sometimes it will be people from the outside of us. They don't like what we're about. They don't understand us. They don't understand what we're trying to do. Or they've been hurt by people in the past like us and are simply opposed to, to what they think we're about. And so as we start to move, we start to rebuild, there will be opposition from people. And of course, as we said already, that sometimes that opposition can be from, from the enemy, from Satan himself. And that will come in, in all kinds of different ways. Spiritual attacks, discouragement, obstacles in our way that seem impossible to, to overcome. And when opposition comes, we might not even necessarily know exactly what the source is at the beginning. And in fact, it might be a combination of, of all three, <clears throat> excuse me, all three of those things. But what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 12 is helpful, I think. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So as we begin to rebuild, as we begin to move forward and start to take steps into what that looks like, let's not be surprised by challenges that come. Let's not be surprised that, that opposition sometimes will come. And it will come from a variety of sources. The second thing I want us to notice here today is, is when the opposition began. Verse 1, we already read it, says, said that when Sambalat heard that they had begun rebuilding, that's when the opposition began. Again, when those first steps, when those first bricks were being put together on the wall and progress was being made, that's when opposition happened. I find that our initial good intentions for change, for, for wanting to build a life with God, even personal change, recognizing things in ourselves that we need to change, our good intentions about changing don't often pose much of a threat to the enemy. But it's when we begin to, to put action steps to them that the opposition comes. Our lives can be full of good intentions, but nothing comes of it. 
Now, don't hear what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying that, that uh, taking time to process and pray and plan is, is not valuable. And we know that's not true for a lot of reasons. In this particular story here, we know that with Nehemiah, he took months when he first heard about the crisis. It took him months to take time to pray and to think and to begin to put a plan together to, to approach the king for it. So there's a place for planning and thinking and preparing. The point, I think, here is that the enemy isn't always all that threatened by our planning and our good intentions. But the enemy is threatened when we begin to put steps, when we put, begin to put feet to those. We begin to move forward. We begin to take steps and actually follow God into what He has then we expect opposition to come. I mean, my own personal experience in my life, and maybe this has been your experience as well, is that, that if I have intentions to do something, intentions to, to change something about my relationship with God, I don't find initially all that much opposition. But it's when I begin to do something about it. When I think about how that will be accomplished and start to, to move towards it, to take steps towards that change is when often it seems like all hell breaks loose. Sometimes it feels like literally. The more it appears that we actually might work towards building a life with God, the more likely that opposition is going to come. And so as we think about the future, as we think about rebuilding, regaining what's been lost, listening to what God is saying, Letting God speak to us about the new thing and, and letting God begin to help us put steps into that. Let's not be surprised when opposition comes. It will come. Challenges will come. Roadblocks will be there. And if I can be so bold as to suggest, there's tons of reasons in this world right now for us to be divided for a lot of different reasons. I think that division... That, that lack of, of living in unity can be something that, that is a, an attack of the enemy. And it doesn't mean that we can't have differing opinions. It doesn't man, mean that we can't be passionate about our opinion. We can have those differences, but we can still choose to live in unity. We can still choose to treat each other with grace and with love, as I, Brother Larry had shared this morning as well. Living in unity is not about our opinions. It's not about our differences of thought on, on any issue. Our unity is based on the fact that we have Jesus living in us, that we are saved by, by Jesus. We have the same Holy Spirit living in us. And so we can be different. And we are different. But we can choose to live in unity. So I would encourage us and challenge us to look at areas where there might be division and see those as a spiritual attack that we need to, to come together against. Recognize that as a strategy of the enemy. For Nehemiah and the Israelites, the, the opposition began as simple verbal criticism, some mockery, some sarcasm. They're being mocked by those other rivaling nations. And when Nehemiah and the people hear about this, this criticism, they, they ignore it, really, and keep on working. 
They, they don't quite ignore it. They first hand it over to God. If you have your Bibles there yet, look at verses 4 to 5. And then I prayed, and this is Nehemiah here, Hear us, our God, for we're being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. So the first thing we see when, when that opposition comes is that Nehemiah brings the people, leads the people to, to give that over to God in prayer. Now it isn't exactly a nice little Lord bless them for they don't know what they're doing kind of prayer, is it? It's a harsh prayer. It, it, there's some anger in that prayer. There, there's history here between Israel and, and some of these nations that have opposed God and opposed what God has been trying to do for, for hundreds of years. So there's some history, and it's, it's a harsh prayer. But ultimately, I think when we look at that prayer, what it really is doing is, is saying, God, they might be mocking us. They might be criticizing us, making fun of us. But what they're actually doing is making fun of what you're doing. So God, we're going to give this to you. It feels personal, but really this is about you. So God, we're giving this to you and asking you to do what we can't. At its core, really this prayer gives this whole situation, this whole opposition situation, over to God. Because God is their defender. It's really, in some ways, it's a, a spiritual act of turning the other cheek. It's choosing not to act. It's choosing not to react, but just giving it over to God. And so I think through Nehemiah, God is teaching us that if we face conflict or criticism of some, some kind, let's be careful not to just respond in our own fleshly kind of nature, but bring it over to God. Give it to Him. Let God be our defender. And then when we see Nehemiah finishing that prayer, we see them getting right back to work. And that really becomes, I think, the next lesson for us is that, that when opposition comes, we, we acknowledge it, we give it over to God, but then we stay focused on what the task is and we keep going. We stay focused on the God-given goal, the vision that God's given to us. In verses 6 and 7, we th see things shift a little bit. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, Ashadites, heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. See, when the enemy realized that their, their verbal abuse, their mockery, their, their, their making fun of them wasn't having the desired effect and it wasn't stopping the work from happening, the, the, the opposition ramped up. It didn't go away. And so again, another lesson for us, if we, if we face criticism, and even if we deal with it in the right way, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to disappear. It might actually ramp up. So again, let's not be surprised by it. Let's understand that that might be the reality. And so we see that Israel 
catches wind that this plot was happening, that they caught wind not only of the verbal mockery, but the actual plan then to start to, for these people to come and fight to stop this building. Israel is, is aware now that they have really groups that are on all sides of the city. They have Sambalat and the Samaritans, or Samarians on the north, Ashot on the west, Tobiah and the Ammonites on the east, and Geshem and the Arabs to the south. They were literally surrounded by these enemies. So what did they do? Verse 9 says, We prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. A twofold approach. They did two things. They prayed to God and they posted guards. I think that's an important lesson for us as well. That as we face opposition that threatens to, to stop us moving forward, that threatens to stop us from rebuilding, we can't just sit back and let God do everything. And we can't just jump in ourselves and try and do it all ourselves. We have to do both those things. The Israelites did both. They did what they practically could do while seeking God's wisdom and strength and protection for the things that only He could do. See, with Nehemiah, there was, there was no sense that there was a conflict between, between prayer and relying on God and doing the practical things. They weren't in conflict with each other. We need to do both. We need to do what we can do. We need to do our due diligence. We need to do the hard work that, that we can do, that God invites us to do. But in the things that we can't do, we need to bring those things to God and ask Him to do what we can't. There's no conflict between relying on God and working hard and being practical. And so as we continue forward and opposition comes, we need to work hard, do what we can, while at the same time praying and relying on God and asking Him to do it only He can. It seems like a good place at this point to put a plug in for the, the come and go prayer time on March the 9th that we're planning from uh, 3 p.m. till 7 p.m. I think as a church, we're doing what we can. We are, have our pastoral search team that's working. Or I know our church council and our leadership team are, are working to do things, to do things that we can as we prepare to move forward. But it's so important for us to stop from our doing and come together and really seek God. To pray, to ask God to do what He can to confess that, that we don't have all that we need. And to take time to listen to God. Listen to what God is saying to, to each one of us and bring those, those things together. God speaks to us through each other. And He speaks to us through His Word. So I'd really encourage you to be part of that as we come together and pray and listen and seek for God's will to take place. I need to wrap up here, but there's, there's two other things in the story that I just quickly want to, uh, to point out that I think are, are powerful. The first is the, the picture of the people who, who carried materials during their work. As they continue to move forward, Nehemiah put things into place where they, were, um, they, were, they had weapons with them. 
So the people that were carrying heavy things, they were, they were carrying their things in one hand, and they had a sword in the other hand. The people that were doing the building, that were putting bricks on and pouring mortar, they had a weapon strapped to their side. All the builders were doing their thing. It's maybe not very Mennonite of me to, to like this image, but I think it's a powerful image of, of being watchful, but also doing the work. Again, it's, it's not an either-or situation. We need to do the work, but we need to be watchful. So I like that image that they, of, of the, the trowel in one hand in one sense and the, and the sword in the other. Being watchful, being prepared, and doing the work. And then the other image that I love in this, this story too, that I didn't read just now, but the other thing that Nehemiah puts into place is that as they were continuing to work at the various places around the city walls, Nehemiah had a trumpeter with him. And the plan was that if fighting broke out at any point in this section, that everyone else, the rest of the wall was to, uh, when they heard the trumpet blaring in a certain place, they were to drop what they were doing and come and, and go join and help the other place, the other people. And again, it's an image that I think speaks to what we talked about last week, that we need each other, that we have to be in this together. God is calling us forward, but we need to be in it together. God's calling us forward might not mean and probably won't mean that things will look like what they did before. Things will be different. Some things that were lost might not be regained. But I believe that as we continue to seek God, God will replace them with other things. God has something new that's in store. God is leading us to a new land, a new place. The ultimate message here is that God is inviting us into something that, that He is already doing. God's already at work. God's already begun the rebuilding and He's inviting us to, to join in and do what we can to help. And so as we do that, let's take what we've learned today about opposition and, and understand it. To put it in our back pockets and be ready for it. Jesus said, to those who follow Me, you know that you'll have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So let's close there. Jesus, thank You for Your truth to us. Thank You for the lesson of Nehemiah and the people of Israel. Thank You, God, that when we face opposition, that it's not about flesh and blood. It's not about people. Yes, there might be people that oppose. There might be people that that come against or criticize. But our battle ultimately is against uh, Satan and his forces because as we begin to build, build your kingdom, God, the enemy gets threatened. So God, my prayer is that you would bind us together, that we would recognize when attack comes and when opposition comes, and instead of letting it discourage us, instead of letting it make us stop the work, and instead of letting it divide us, that we would rally together to where the battle is happening. And we continue to follow You 
in the rebuilding that you're already doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.